Hello, and thanks for downloading this podcast from Teacher Magazine. I'm Rebecca Vukovic. How can we teach and assess general capabilities, including critical thinking, creative thinking, collaboration, and problem-solving skills? This is a challenge that teachers are faced with in 21st century classrooms. A project funded by the Centre for Assessment Reform and Innovation at the Australian Council for Educational Research is working to develop an assessment framework for measuring and monitoring these skills in the classroom. Through a combination of curriculum-oriented assessment tools, learning progressions and professional development, The project aims to equip teachers with the skills to integrate teaching and assessing of general capabilities into their classrooms. Here to discuss this today is Dr. Claire Schooler, a research fellow at ACER and the person charged with leading the project. In today's episode, she shares more about the assessment tool that's been developed and we discuss some practical ways teachers can measure these skills as well as some of the challenges involved in doing so. Claire also shares some of her early analyses of data to come from the trials completed in schools across Australia. Let's dive in. Dr Claire Schooler, thanks for joining Teacher Magazine. Thanks for having me. So in education, we hear the term 21st century skills used quite a lot, and it can mean a number of things. So for the context of this interview, when you say 21st century skills, what do you mean exactly? That's been one of the major hurdles, I think, in this field of research is a lot of emphasis put on what do we call them and not enough emphasis on what are they and what do they look like in the classroom. So here at ACER, we're adopting the term general capabilities because that's the Australian term for them. But that can be synonymous with 21st century skills or transversal competencies, as they're called in the wider Asia Pacific. What we mean by that is a set of tools that we can give students to uh, assist with their learning, uh, support their learning. And those things look like collaboration, critical thinking, creative thinking, problem solving skills, self-regulation skills. So we're really providing... Um, as I say, a set of tools that students can harness to improve and teachers can provide um, learning to students with these tools to assist with their development. And then why is it important that we have some practical solutions for measuring these skills and that it's an integrated approach? At this point, there aren't enough resources for teachers in schools to do that um, intervention with students. I think we're well beyond now the realisation that these skills are important. We know that the workforce is demanding students coming out of schools and universities with these skills. So we need to really merge that thinking with a practical solution for integration. The integration, though, is has been a slow burner. Some uh, education systems have started by integrating it in assessment, others in a curriculum reform, but very few have looked at the teaching aspect 
our development of resources aspect. But really what we're going to need is a harmonisation of all those three things, the assessment, the curriculum and the pedagogy, so that we've got a harmonious approach to integration. Yes. In your research, you found that teachers recognise the value of teaching 21st century skills and are open and enthusiastic, but aren't necessarily prepared to teach these skills. Could you tell me more about this? Yes, you're right. Teachers are enthusiastic to uh, get into this space and many, many schools are already finding their own ways of doing that. Um, Teachers are um, doing this and they, they want to do it. The problem is the limited resources or more specifically, the lack of evidence for the resources out there at this point. And our approach, ACR, has been to provide uh, evidence base for the resources that we're putting out there. So learning, the learning progressions and the rubrics and the skill definitions. We want, them, we want to ensure that those have a really substantial evidence base so that teachers can feel confident that they have something they can use and it will work. Yeah, and I want to ask you a little bit more about that because you've been working on a project funded by the Centre for Assessment Reform and Innovation here at the Australian Council for Educational Research. What are the aims of this project? The centre itself has three aims and one of those is new metrics. So we're thinking about measuring um, different things than just your standard knowledge uh, domains or subject areas. And therefore that led us down the path of the general capabilities We started by identifying three skills, um, because you have to start somewhere. We selected these three skills on the basis of requests we're getting from teachers, conversations we're having with teachers about what they thought they were already doing in the classroom, but needed a little bit more uh, explicit awareness about. Mm. And those skills were the, the critical and the creative thinking and the collaboration. Yeah, and so you've developed an assessment framework for measuring and monitoring those three things, collaboration, critical thinking and creative thinking in the classroom. Just to be really clear for those listening, when you refer to collaboration, what is it you mean exactly? The biggest distinction with collaboration from group work is this idea of the necessity of students to work together. So we are thinking about the real world in the sense of if you work with other people you do it for a purpose as opposed to working individually you would work in a you work with other people because they have a different skill set they bring something to the table maybe they have different information or resources to you so in the classroom we would fabricate that scenario by giving different students different pieces of the puzzle so to speak so that it's necessary for every single student in the group to contribute there is our shared goal as well. So it gives the students motivation to work together. And so therefore it gives um, a purpose to working in a group rather than just putting students in a group for the sake of it. And by this sense, it really harnesses students' um, ability to collaborate um, and produces that those social skills that we want to um, see emerge. And in the context of this research, what is critical thinking then? Critical thinking is the um, ability to really analyse and synthesise information, but also identify the gaps that you have in your information or your knowledge, and to be able to go away and seek out uh, information that would then plug those gaps. 
But going beyond that, it's the ability to analyse that information in a way that um, allows students to identify bias um, or uh, discriminate different types of information. And I think in this world, that's a very important thing that teachers want to get behind because we have the internet, of course, Mm -hmm. and students have access to that readily available now. And so how can we teach students information discrimination? How can we get them to look at sources of information and work out if there's a a tendency for bias in that? Or look at the news and work out what the perspective is of the presenter or the the, the news writer. And Mm. so I think that's been a a big element of focus for teachers and how they get behind that and, and and get students up front in understanding that those concepts. Yeah, and of course this is different to creative thinking. So what's your definition of creative thinking? We took the stance early on that creative thinking is a bit distinct from creativity. And we did that deliberately because there's um in, in the arts and humanities, you know, there is this idea of creativity as potentially an innate ability or something that is um produces something that could be measured in very subjective terms. It's very aesthetically dependent. And so we wanted to make a distinction there between that and something that was teachable and something that was objectively obsessible. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, we, we're looking from the perspective of creative thinking. And so in that sense, we're looking at the ability to think of novel ideas, but novel in the sense of what's novel for that student? So what's novel for, it doesn't have to be solving a big world problem or inventing a new um, product. It could just be something that's novel to a grade two or a grade five student, something that they've never heard of before. We're also thinking about the quality of ideas and the quantity of ideas as well, looking at whether students can solve problems, for example, um, with a range of solutions and um, come up with different types of ideas also getting behind uh, different perspectives. Can students pull a problem apart and then look at it from different angles and then create a new way of um, solving that problem that maybe wasn't apparent to begin with? Yeah, really interesting. And these skills, they can be quite complex and they're made up of lots of small chunks and there's also a fair bit of overlap. So how do you deal with that overlap And that's also overlap between teachers, lessons and subject areas. I think what it comes down to, first and foremost, is defining these skills in a really clear, uh, detailed way. Our initial thinking around this was that teachers want the simple, um, the simplified version of what these skills are. Um, A couple of paragraphs uh, would do. In fact, the feedback that we got from teachers is that they want as much detail as possible. And that led us down the route of our detailed uh, skill definitions. We divide each of the skills up into strands. And then each strand has various aspects that contribute to that. So, for example, an aspect of collaboration might be negotiation. What we found in both teaching and assessment um, development is that teachers have been targeting the aspects rather than the bigger skill itself Mm -hmm. and of course that that has been making it easier to teach and assess because they've got a narrower focus for which to integrate Mm -hmm. they'll integrate negotiation skills into the lesson rather than trying to 
integrate collaboration into their lesson. Yes, there's overlap um, between a lot of the skills. Our upcoming uh, psychometric analysis is hopefully going to delve into, allow us to delve into potentially identifying what some of those formal overlaps are. Mm. I think what we're finding in the classroom is that those overlaps aren't so important if you are taking the the approach that, that we've taken in the sense of being explicit about needing the skills, working with students to identify what those skills look like. And any type of awareness in that sense is allowing for some impact to be made in the classroom. I think going back to this idea of uh, overlap over grades and teachers and within schools, we really need that common language and that consistency in terminology for to allow us to be able to talk about these skills in an explicit, deeper way, uh, rather than just that surface level um, understanding. And I think these detailed skill descriptions really allow us, uh, provide us with that common language that teachers can use to discuss the skills, much in the same way that we've been discussing literacy and numeracy for centuries. Yes. And it's also important to note that you can't just decide to do creativity in a lesson, isn't it? Yes. And I think this is the reservation, understandably, for teachers is that they don't want to invest their really limited and valuable time in an approach that they aren't sure is going to have any impact. And so we are finding that the upfront um, requirement of the integration within lesson plans does take a a bit of practice and does take um, some time to begin with. However, the feedback from teachers is that as they get to understand these skills from the skill descriptions, it does become more of a second nature to integrate the skills into the lesson plans. And in fact, what we're finding is teachers are saying, particularly with these three skills, we're already doing that. We just didn't identify those components of the lesson as being those skills. For example, you know, many teachers use probing, questioning to further interrogate students' answers or responses. And we see that very much under the umbrella of critical thinking. Mm. And so just making that um, more explicit in the lesson has really helped both teachers and students to get to grips with what critical thinking is. Yeah. And you've been working in quite a number of schools. Could you share any practical examples of how educators are doing this well? For schools who are looking at that harmonisation of alignment, um, they've been particularly successful at integration. So not just looking at integrating into lesson plans, but looking at assessment and then trying to get their head around this idea of identifying resources that would help. And um, going back again to that idea of the definitions, focusing on particular aspects and breaking down the constructs uh, rather than trying to tackle the whole skill in one 50-minute lesson. Other schools have also um, taken a problem-based learning approach, which is which is the um, approach taken in our assessment tasks, where you centre um, the lesson, quite often it's an interdisciplinary lesson, around this idea of having a problem scenario to solve. And then they integrate one or two of the skills into that lesson so students might have to think critically about this problem and collaborate with others 
this type of um, interdisciplinary problem-based lesson format might run, you know, for, for several weeks. What this allows teachers to do is to still have subject-orientated lessons, still targeting the curriculum topics and the learning outcomes, but to integrate those skills into that in quite a streamlined and authentic way. Yeah, and what role does technology play in the assessment of these skills? Technology can be beneficial, but only if it's used in in a particular way. Our assessments are online, and our hope is that we can move to a more uh, sophisticated, custom-built platform in the near future. The reason for doing that would be to harness the benefits of of process data, being able to capture student behaviours in real time. That would lead us to be able to automatically score and generate reports really efficiently. Now, we would hope that the benefits of that process data in providing us information about the student behaviours would really allow us to understand better the skills and how those skills are playing out in a a process um, way. The automation, of course, of of scoring some of these assessments takes some of that burden off of teachers mm-hmm. for, for scoring it themselves. So it really, from a teacher's perspective, the technology would provide um, ready access, being being online, um, something that they don't have to print out or, or download. Mm-hmm. Um, they would just put students onto the computers uh, and something that would generate that in an you know in a, an efficient and quick way it would generate the the outcomes. So from p- potentially from an efficiency perspective for teachers and for us as researchers, an information gathering um, uh, endeavor to get more information about those skills. But I don't think technology is essential to seeing these skills played out, and it doesn't provide the whole picture either, particularly for something like collaboration. We can attempt to measure students' collaboration online, and of course we do. We can have uh, certain measures to do that. But we still need to be filling gaps to create a bigger picture with having uh, offline classroom-based collaborative tasks as well Mm -hmm. so that we can observe students' body language and um, tone of language and such like. Yeah, and Claire, you've touched on this already, but is there anything else you could tell me about the assessment tool and how it works? Our assessment tool is um, centred around this problem-based learning idea. So we have a a problem scenario presented to students. We want to keep that authentic, uh, something that is relevant to students' uh, learning and and their own lives. That ensures students stay engaged and make it purposeful for them. And then we, um, so we have one assessment that has 10 tasks. Each of these tasks focuses on one of measuring one of those three skills. And students would work either individually or in groups of three to complete each of these tasks. Within each task, we have rubrics that measure the, the skill in that task. Um, so we're, we're looking at the students' output, the students um, working together to measure those skills being applied in each particular assessment. And at the end of that assessment, we can look at how students performed over each of those 10 tasks and provide some estimate of ability for where students are at with those three uh, levels of 
at those three skills. Mm -hmm. And we can look at those in regards to the levels of progression and try to place students on that progression to give them an idea. Where we want to go with this assessment then is to be able to generate reports that provide teachers with intervention ideas or tasks ideas that they can use in the classroom to target students at particular levels of progression and increase their ability so they move up to the next level of progression. Mm -hmm. And these assessment tools are being trialled across Australia. Could you share any of your early analysis of the trial data? It's good to remember that only maybe eight years ago, we weren't even certain that we should or could measure these skills. And certainly we had some um, a camp of, of doubters completely. So it's really nice for us to be able to say that we are gathering data. We have developed a tool and we are gathering data that is providing information about these skills. And we are seeing these skills playing out, um, being demonstrated by students in a way that we had initially conceived. What's extra beneficial and what we hoped but weren't uncertain of to begin with was not just being able to see these skills but seeing them being played out at various levels of proficiency. So we can actually see you know what a low to mid to a high critical thinker looks like based upon the student responses that we're getting. What we're hoping over the next few months with our um, psychometric analysis is to really um, further validate those progressions and those um, skill definitions in this iterative way. So everything, every piece of data that we get is informing more and more our skill definitions, our learning progressions and our rubrics. So that, as I say, we can be really building on that evidence base for our resources and ensuring that everything we have in writing is based upon what we've been seeing in these assessments, but other assessments that we're able to um, tap into as well. And so for teachers or school leaders listening to this podcast, is there any way they can find out some more information about the project or where can they go to learn more about what you're doing? That's a really great question because we've just formed um, a research consortium for general capabilities here at ACER. What that looks like is going to be initially a quarterly newsletter that we'll send out to um, our um, people who sign up. What we'll be able to share is updates on our research here on the general capabilities, as well as updates on our resources being released and where um, people can access those. We're also, um, we had great success with the masterclass being run at the research, ECR research conference. Um, we would love to run more of those masterclasses. So we're going to be running at least one in each state over the next six months. Um, and we will be able to provide that information about those as the newsletter comes out as well. Fantastic. Well, we'll be following the project with interest. Dr. Claire Schooler, thanks for sharing your work and your insights with Teacher Magazine. Thanks again. That's all for this episode. If you'd like to listen to more from Teacher, you'll find us by searching Teacher ACR wherever you get your podcasts on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Spotify. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe to the channel by clicking the purple subscribe button on Apple, the green follow button on Spotify, or the orange follow button on SoundCloud. 
By subscribing, you ensure that new podcasts land in your feed as soon as they're available. You'll also get a notification straight to your device, which is really handy for making sure you never miss an episode.